In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. Today is the 67th episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show is about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel. Be sure to download the app or just tune in using your favorite podcast app. If you missed last week's show, I interviewed Jeannie Lambin. She is a delightful human being. She's a writer, coach, facilitator, storyteller, and artist. We discussed the transformation, no, let me get this right, the transformative experiences she designs, which help people imagine, create, and live better stories for themselves, their lives. Let me, no, let me just say this. I'm not getting any of this right. We discussed the transformational experience she designs, helping people imagine, create, and live better stories for themselves, their communities, and their world. There we go, people. It was worth me repeating. (laughs) (laughs) And back by popular demand is my communication sidekick, T. Welcome, T. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, listeners, three episodes ago on November 12th, T and I took a deep dive into a book that we both read by Terry called called The Boundary Boss. Mm-hmm. And we took such a deep dive that we only got halfway through all the things we wanted to talk about. So we're picking up where we left off. And if you want to, feel free to check out the episode from November 12th if you're curious to hear more and what we talked about in part one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Uh, T, I want to start off with a quote that I think is one of my favorites by Terry, though she has some real doozies. And that one is, having healthy boundaries makes you brave and courageous. Yes, indeed. Doesn't it? Just, yeah. Love, I'm loving this book and loving the fact that we get to to share these um, aha moments that the book's been bringing us. So thanks again, Amy, for having me on. Yeah, Yeah, and I heard you said that you actually read the book again this weekend. Is that what you said I earlier? I did. I did indeed. There's, there's so much in there. There's so many juicy yeah. golden nuggets in there. And I wanted to make sure we could bring the best of that to the show today. Okay, great. We probably have show three, four, five. And we might. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd love to kick off with something concrete that Terry invites us to do in Chapter 8. It really sprang out for me yesterday. Okay. The second or third time that I've read the book. So, as we mentioned in Part 1 of the show, your personal boundaries are directly impacted by your childhood experiences, yeah. which for me was massive breakthrough aha moment and um, really encouraged me to, to do this work. And Terry says that we should mourn the dream of the perfect childhood that we had envisaged for ourselves. Mourn that dream. Mm-hmm. She says that this will free us up in our, in our lives now. Super interesting. And she offers a three-step process for doing this. Yeah, it makes sense because I think for some of us, many of us, we might be unconsciously holding on to that, the, that wish and desire if things were only different. Maybe, and the, yeah. 
yeah, that morning, it, it feels like we can finally make peace with it and let it go. Right. Yeah. And also, you know, there's work on the inner child and something that carries continues through to our adult life. So yeah, this really made sense to me. And that's why I wanted to bring it up today. So step one was identify childhood disappointments that you need to honor. Okay. Okay. Step two was to journal about what actually happened and have compassion for your pain. Interesting. Step three was to tear out that page and light it up. She says oh, wow. that, yeah, Terry, Terry Cole says ritualistic burning can be a powerful way to release the energetic hold of disappointments. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever done that before where you've lit something on fire? I mean, I'm not talking about like someone's vehicle or. <laughs> <laughs> or your hair. Yeah. yeah. I have. I have actually done that mm. through certain therapeutic processes that I've had in the past. Or, to, yeah. or torn it up and released it yeah. to the universe or wherever you want to put it. Yeah, I've done that a couple of times, like on New Year's Eve or um, okay. sometimes maybe on a birthday or something. Wow. Yeah. And it is a, a ritual, isn't it? It feels like a ritual. So this jumped out at me, this fantastic, easy three-step. Um, okay, so process. identify disappointments, mm -hmm. have compassion for them, write about it, have compassion, and then maybe put it on a paper and, and burn it. Burn it or, or rip it up. Whichever you or feel more comfortable doing. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, considering the, you know, safety issues that you might yes. have if you're in a, in a closed space. There you go. Like your vehicle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, so Terry also talks about personal boundaries and boundary scripts. And she says, create and protect your healthy boundaries and be assertive, not passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I love it because she says, just ask yourself, what do I really want? And sometimes even that is a powerful question for people to reflect on. Yeah, right. If someone offends you or leaves you feeling unclear or resentful, and that's that's the trigger for me. If I'm feeling resentful, that's when I know mm -hmm. I'm starting to get in trouble. Yeah. And she suggests ask for a break to get clear. Buy some time with sentences such as, I need a minute to regroup, or can we chat about this later when I've had time to think about it? Or just say no. No to mm -hmm. dinner. I'd love to catch up another time. Mm -hmm. Or <laughs> she's got a cheeky one that says, don't mind if I don't. You yeah. Know, don't be that. afraid to say no to things. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been in some pickles. I know she mentions the don't mind if I don't. I remember is the example. And she says, some stranger asks you out on a date or something like that in the street. And that's, I think that's happened to me, Amy. And I've been, I'm trying to be all polite and British about it. Yeah. And actually, I'm just going to say this from now on. Don't mind if I don't. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I would reserve it for saying it to a situation. If someone's being... They're misbehaving mm. in some way. I would feel comfortable saying it then. Yeah. Playful way. Yeah. Don't mm. mind if I don't. Yeah, you're right. Sing it playfully and not harshly. That's, that makes right. a difference for me. Yeah. Nice. And then if someone's crossed the line, you know, how would you start that sentence? I, I, I think the way she suggests is great. I wanted to bring something to your attention. Mm. You know, and it puts a, a, a note of, of gravitas to it. It lets the person know this is important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, personal boundaries are often visible. They can also be communicated through our words and our actions. Mm. And I think that's important. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I can't think of a specific example right now, though. I think it's important for people to realize that we've got to make visible our boundaries through our words and our actions. 
because sometimes it's not obvious to someone else what's okay and what's not okay. Right. And she does say at some point towards the end of the book, I remember a perfect example because she talks about gestures and she says, it's okay to do the stop sign. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say no with the, putting your hand out and literally showing through your actions. So that's a great example. Yeah. And I think that's an important, you know, that's a gesture that can be, um, can create uh, a negative reaction in someone. So I would use that in a moment when that line, it it feels like that line is, has, is going to get crossed or has just been crossed. Then it's time to pull out the stop sign hand. Right. Yeah. It is quite a strong gesture. You're right. She also gives another example. I remember now as we're talking about the, the, the gestures is that if you don't have time to stop and chat, keep on walking. Oh, yes. yeah, great. Just keep going with a big smile. Yeah. And that was something that made me think. Yeah, I remember being with a friend in a tourist uh, town and um, she, everyone, people were handing out flyers and she was just taking the flyers. And I'm like, oh no, hands down at your side. Big smile, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to repeat a couple times. Big smile, right. hands down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because you can get pulled into something that you don't want to be pulled yeah. into. And in certain, if you're in certain uh, spaces, they'll give you an item that they want you to buy. And then the next oh, thing you yeah. know, it's in your hand and you're thinking, what do I do now? Right. I've had that happen too. Yeah. Being gracious and trying to be nice again, once again, polite and British. Okay. I'll have a look. Thank you. Uh, wrong yeah. move. Yeah. yeah. Be aware of your actions. Be really be aware of your actions and words. She says also, Amy, that personal boundaries are unique to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As we know, we're influenced by how we grow up, that we also need to identify consequences for repeat boundary offenders. So let's discuss what a boundary offender is. Oh, yes, please. And her definition is that a boundary offender will cross the line, sometimes unknowingly, sometimes knowingly, they may upset you or catch you off guard. Classic. And that's why practicing these techniques and ideas will create the new pathways in your brain so that you're ready when the offender pops up again. Yeah, because something that was really important is for me, what I find is in the past, when I didn't set my boundaries appropriately or in a timely fashion, I would um, get really, uh, it would come out in a very harsh way. And then there'd be a breakdown in the relationship. And then I had to clean that up. So it was a lot more work and effort Mm -hmm. and pain for me. And Terry talks about three types of boundaries. She said, there's rigid, porous, healthy. So rigid is, you know, really, um, you know, she talks about an example for rigid boundaries may mean that you don't ask for help when you need it, or you keep your distance from others, or maybe when you set the boundary, it's packaged in in a, what could sound like in a very aggressive or defensive manner. Mm -hmm. When your boundaries are too strict, this doesn't necessarily mean that they're healthy. Mm -hmm. It may be that they are too inflexible or too demanding. Wow. Whereas porous boundaries may include things like oversharing information, saying yes when you want to say no, hmm. overly investing in problems of others or putting up with abusive behavior. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. So those are the weak boundaries. Mm. So there's, you know, I feel like it's like the, the Goldilocks of boundaries. There's the, the too hot, right. the, which is the rigid, the too mm-hmm. soft or the too cold, mm-hmm. which is the porous. And then the just right, the healthy boundaries that she describes as being flexible and balanced. Mm. Wow. Yes. And something else that I love is when she says, speak your truth, be your authentic self. So I guess 
what she means there is really checking in with yourself and seeing how that feels, whatever the situation may be, and saying what you're feeling. So use your sense of who you're dealing with when you're dealing with the other people, um, judging how far you can go in your communication with them and how, they'll, how they will take the boundary that you're trying to set or you're hoping that they will understand. And if, yeah, th that's something that is different every single time in every single situation, right? Yeah. So we mentioned the three R's last week. Let's pick up again on those. There was number one, recognize. How does it feel? How does it sit with you? She calls it something called body wisdom. I love that. Body wisdom, your body knows. Mm -hmm. You have this built-in alarm system. So tune into your, your inner experience and, and be aware of what's happening. So recognize, number one. Number two, release. Release any historical charge. Do not react to old harmful situations from your boundary blueprint or down in the boundary basement. So old stuff coming forward. And then the third is respond mindfully and clearfully. Clearfully? Clearly, even. <laughs> that makes me think it's a very similar approach to dealing with the childhood disappointments. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Mm. And another thing that I found really fascinating in the book was when she talked about the five categories of mm. boundaries. Right. And I thought, wow, what an important distinction. She says there's physical, sexual, material, mm. mental, and emotional. Yeah. Setting those out clearly. So the physical boundaries, for example, include if you want to be touched, maybe that's a physical boundary. Somebody gets too close. Uh, sexual include if others have your consent. Material boundaries, you determine how others may or may not have access to your material possessions. For example, someone leaving garbage in or trash in your car is a material violation. I, I love that example. Mm -hmm. You know, because if it pisses us off, then it's probably information. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And going back to the, the one around sexual boundaries and do others have your consent? I'm, I'm convinced. I think many people are that we learn so much of our behavior socially through the media and mm -hmm. through films and television series. And I'm so, um, I, I get some kind of emotional. I'm so inspired by these um, television shows that I'm watching where, uh, you know, teenagers are, they're about to have their first kiss mm. and the, you know, one awkwardly says, usually it's the boy who might awkwardly say, you know, is it okay if I kiss you? Um, or does, is this feel okay? And I'm so delighted that they're modeling that for kids. Like it's okay to ask, you should ask. And it's okay mm -hmm. if it doesn't come out perfectly, you know? Yeah. And um, that, that to me is very inspiring. Absolutely. And let also the other side is letting people know they can say no. Just right. reminding people that you can say no. Because right. peer pressure, especially at that kind of age. Right, right. Something huge. Mm -hmm. Now, having mental, healthy mental boundaries means that you can listen to others with an open mind, even if you disagree. Mm. That doesn't mean they have to they have the right to disparage your beliefs. Right. And healthy emotional boundaries prevent you from giving spontaneous criticism or unsolicited advice. I got to work on this one a little bit. <laughs> right. So what we were saying it's not reacting, responding. Oh, no, for me, this is different. Um, okay. I think partly because of my coach training and partly because mm -hmm. people pay me to, you know, support them through journeys. Mm -hmm. I 
and and being a perfect coach is about asking questions. And I'm not a perfect coach. I flip between coaching and training. So sometimes I'm in tell mode and do this, don't do this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that bleeds into my personal relationships. Mm-hmm. And I once had a friend, in fact, it was just a couple months ago where she just gently and with a smile on her face, she said, she presented an issue. And I just immediately went into, well, you should blah, 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 blah. And she said, you know, Amy, you don't have to coach me on this every time I talk about right. it. I just went, okay. Oh no. <laughs> so it was great that she dared to be so assertive and yeah. say that. And she was a hundred percent correct. Mm. And so I've got to keep getting better. I'm at it. I'm good at it sometimes though, to keep asking, can I give you my uh, advice? Can I make a suggestion and to really I honor it that. if they say no? Yeah. And you've done that with me a few times and I love that practice. Oh, good. Thank you. you. And I always want to hear what you've got to say. So <laughs> keep on well, asking. Today you keep do. On asking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So let's look at the healthy balance boundaries and what they include. Terry suggests that value, valuing your own opinion, feeling comfortable asking for or accepting help, knowing when to share information about yourself, and being able to accept when other people set boundaries. Mm, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. Accepting and, other people's boundaries. Yeah. And I'm in a, a long-term friendship where the person has been getting stronger at setting mm-hmm. boundaries. And it's still a little bit of a surprise for me because I'm used to the old way mm-hmm. when the person didn't have as strong boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, when it happens, I have to take a deep breath, say, Amy, this is good. It's good for them. And it's good for you because you want to be around people who have healthy boundaries. Yeah, you really yeah. do. And, and we mentioned this in the last show about the Boundary Boss book. It's never too late to start. So as you said, it, it could be shocking for you to see this person change. And yet you're so happy for them because we all know how important this work is for everybody to do. Yeah. So Terry shares something that I found really cool. And I know that you've trained in NVC, nonviolent communication, Amy, so you'll be able to pick up on this with me. She calls it a four-part NVC process, and it's in Chapter 7 for the listeners if they want to go and check this out. So for dealing, when a boundary gets crossed, how do you deal with it? And she gives us an example of towels being, wet towels being left on the floor. So maybe you know all about that for anybody that's shared an apartment or a flat or a house or if you've got children or whatever the case a wet towel on the floor definitely something I have to deal with on a daily basis with my daughter so this is a great example for me to pick up on so the four parts of this process are number one observation number two feeling number three need and number four request and the way Terry packages that is so the observation is I went so saying to the person opposite or the guilty party if you like when I see the towels on the floor that's the observation and then give your feelings step two I feel frustrated correct me if I'm doing this wrong as well great number three my need is for the towels to be organized and arranged because for us to circulate in this house it needs to be organized and number four my request could you please pick up the towels and put them on the towel rack? So it sounds so easy. Yeah. And yet when we're in that moment of frustration and we get triggered, yeah, we, it might not sound like that. <laughs> no, exactly. It's more like, <laughs> right. Pick up the damn towels off the floor. It's here again. So I love yeah. this one. 
And I love this one. as people get better at it, I know this has happened to me. I moved from sort of that clinical, what they call clinical NVC to street yeah. giraffe. So mm-hmm. giraffe is the animal with the biggest heart. And that's the mm-hmm. animal that is representative of nonviolent communication. And so street giraffe might sound like, hey, Sandra, um, I noticed that the towels uh, are on the bathroom floor. And this is frustrating for me because it's really important that the mildew doesn't, uh, you know, the towels don't get mildew. Uh, would you be willing to pick them up in the next 10 minutes and, and keep that in mind in the future? Oh, you do that so well. <laughs> Only because yeah. of practice, girl. And because we're in low stress, in, like you said, in the moment. So the practicing in low stress will increase the likelihood we have create those pathways to do it under pressure. So tell me about that. When you say practicing in low stress, would that be me practicing on my own, getting ready for the next, so later on today, when my daughter's home from school, has the, the towel is on the floor after the shower. Should right. I practice that on my own. Exactly. So mm. if you can take any scenario from the past that did not go well, mm-hmm. personal or professional, and you yeah. say, okay, let me put that through the nonviolent communication yeah. formula. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a little while for you to, you know, and you and I would encourage listeners to go to cnvc.org or nvctraining.org for resources. And there's a whole list of feelings list and needs list because, you know, there's probably about a hundred plus needs, a hundred plus feelings that we can choose from. And for most of us, without looking at the list, we might have three or five available to us. Um, So that really helps to expand our vocabulary when we're wanting to express ourselves. And then let me go off on a tangent T I don't know if you remember the story I told, I did a recording once of the, the train conductor and how I got into a disagreement with a train conductor, not a physical one, just a verbal one. <laughs> Give me that whistle. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and then afterwards, I felt so bad and so disappointed with how I acted that I was pretty sure I was going to spend three days beating myself up. Mm. And then I thought about NVC. And in that moment, I just did self-empathy and said, okay, I was feeling this, I was needing this. And just that acknowledgement um, gave me peace. It didn't mean I was off the hook for the misbehavior. It just meant Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to beat myself up for the next three days and I could learn from it in a non-exhausting way. (laughs) Yeah. And it is exhausting when we go over and over because that little voice keeps coming back. I should have done this. I should have done this. And you said in the last show, what's the, the thing about should? Should, don't yeah, don't shoot on, on yourself. <laughs> right. And it's just a classic example, isn't it? That's what we do. So yeah, great advice. Okay. So um, here's the thing. When people, when you do this well, people might describe you as someone who's dependable, trustworthy, confident. Those are not necessarily adjectives that we would directly associate with having strong boundaries, except that's the consequence, the positive con- consequence, the impact. Mm-hmm. Others will feel safe and at ease in your presence. Because you keep your word, you take responsibility for your own happiness. I just love that. Mm. You know, the thing is, when um, Terry talks about women's oppression, and it has a direct impact on how we view boundaries. Individuals struggling with boundary issues have hundreds of years of oppression that may be impacting this. It sounds insane, hundreds of years, and it it must sound perhaps extreme to a listener. Though Mm. for me, it's really important, important to acknowledge why... You know, this is maybe even more challenging for a lot of women than it is for men, though, you know, men 
can get better at setting boundaries as well. And the, one of the concerns is when we internalize this or we, we internalize this, um, the oppression and the reaction, because we, d- we don't want to speak up for fear of appearing like a drama queen. <gasps> Absolutely. You know, taking up too much space. Right. It's crazy that we have these repetitive cycles or these unspoken rules that we should not speak up about certain things. Yeah. So thanks for highlighting that. Terry suggests as well to that we need to pay attention to the different categories of boundaries and see where they play up in different areas of our lives. So she suggests that we assess what's okay, what's not okay, what's working and what's not working. And says that self-awareness is crucial when codependent tendencies are sneaking in. For example, when you're wanting to fix or help someone who has not asked for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I suggest we take a pause here. Mm-hmm. And when we come back from the break, we'll pick it up from where we left off, listeners. Now, also, if you, listener, are interested in finding out more of how to develop your own superhero partner powers and bring them into the next decade, feel free to join me for my online leadership presence course. You can find details on my website, carolcoaching.com. That's two R's and two L's. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behaviour changes in voice, body language, words and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here with my sidekick, T. Welcome back, T. Thank you. So um, before we jump in, T, you had a suggestion. I did, yes. As we're talking about Boundary Boss book by Terry Cole, 
There's lots of bonus material that Terry offers. And the site that you can go and find that is boundarybossbook.com forward slash bonus. So I invite the listeners to go and check that out either whilst we're talking or at the end of the show. Super. Yeah. And I want to take a bit of a dive into um, something Terry talks about, the concept of codependency. She describes it as being focused on the needs, wants, and problems of the others in order to gain approval, feel worthy, and attempt to control the outcome. Oh, wow. I'm going to say it again. Mm. Being focused on the needs, wants, and problems of others. So far, that sounds okay. Though then it's really about what is finding out what is our motivation or what's inspiring us in order to gain approval, feel worthy. And I would say, end or attempt to control the outcome. Mm, so that's like the warning word, control yeah. the outcome, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, this is, you know, you when you think back to childhood, I think this is going to be com- commonplace for many, many, many people. Mm, yeah. And the thing is, situations can feel urgent, life and death, even when they're not. And I think that's really important for people to realize how are they responding to situations. Why is that, Amy, if I'm just jumping? Why do they feel so urgent? I don't think I know. I I think that we're just on this wheel of where we're in this drama wheel Mm. or people are reacting sometimes maybe with a fight or flight, which can feel life or death, but in fact, it's not. Mm -hmm. That could also be what's going on. Okay. Another more subtle side of codependency is when we project our feelings onto others. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've done that with people. I've seen people do that with me. And um, that really helps when someone projects their, their feelings onto me and maybe accuses me of this or that. And I'm able to say, Oh, wow. I think this is, it could be more about them than about me. It really helps me to not take it personally. So you know, even though we're talking about everyone, you know, listeners to manage their own and reduce their own codependency, it can also help you to take distance from someone else's codependency, which you can't control (laughs) or you don't want to control if you don't want to be codependent. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) and one more thing is projection will drastically reduce the more you Um, know and act on your own feelings. Right. Yeah. So the healthier you get, the less likely I am going to do it to others okay so with so many resources in her book terry offers us quizzes along the way and i know we did a couple of those last week so how about we take a look at one of those now amy yeah yeah there's a few questions in this part section of the book okay i'm going to throw them out to the listeners if you want to note things down or you want to answer them go ahead so do you feel a need to be needed by others yes (laughs) Do you draw your self-worth and identity from helping others? Sometimes, yeah. Do you need to be part of the solution to someone else's problems? I'm getting better at that, though. (laughs) It feels really fun when I'm part of the solution. (laughs) Is that an ego thing that you do? It might be ego for me, yeah. I know that I drop into that too. I want to help. It also might be... This thing that she was saying earlier, my fear that if I'm not valuable, if I'm not mm. helpful, then I may not be perceived as valuable, wow. you know, and then my place in the pecking order could get reduced. 
So mm -hmm. it could be, it could feel like a preservation thing. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So the next one is, do you harbor feelings of resentment or bitterness from overgiving? Mm. Not so much anymore. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of like a reverse psychology moment where people can give, 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 and then it's, it's kind of like, well, I gave that. So I I'm expecting something back or. Yeah. I don't know if it's, if they do it intentionally or not mm -hmm. uh, though. I think that for a lot of people, it's very innocent at first mm. and they're, they're doing it unconsciously. They're mm. giving, they think they're giving just to be generous or they love this person and that may be part of it though. They may also be giving with this very unconscious intention to be seen, be heard, acknowledged, valued and if they don't get the response they're expecting then the bitterness or resentment comes yeah i know with my sister we have this this rule and we all say zero expectations so it kind of links into that never have any expectations nice. no assumptions no expectations and that takes away a lot of what could be eventually pain or um what's the word i'm looking for deception or mm -hmm. Um, when you feel let down yeah okay so another point was high functioning codependency oh or codependence do the following automatically giving advice i've definitely done that doing the emotional labor for everyone being there done that too and tending toward perfectionism mm. also done that <laughs> yeah yeah you know, there's a quote that um, I think is a doozy. The instinct to offer up advice is a strategy to minimize or avoid pain, especially one's own pain. Mm. The instinct to offer up advice is a strategy to minimize or avoid pain, especially our own pain. Your pain is causing me so much. Yeah, your pain has caused me so much pain. So I'm going to tell you what to do in order to stop the pain I'm feeling. Wow. And, you know, that's, I think to me, that's a sign of really healthy parenting is when you can be present to your child's discomfort or pain or disappointments. I, I don't know if I, if I could do it. I don't have kids. So I don't have to have that. <sighs> you live that experience, though. I can imagine to, and that must be a tough one for a lot of parents. Oh, yeah, I can put my hands up to that. Interestingly, Terry says, resisting the temptation to solve other people's problems is a path to intimacy. Mm. Alternative responses, if someone else is in pain, you might say, what do you think you should do? Mm -hmm. I have faith in you. Tell me how I can support you. That one is, is just gorgeous. I, you know, you're, I have faith in you. You trust, you let that person know, I trust that you've got the resources and I'm still here. What, what would you like from me? How can I help? I've got you back. And then just creating space for them to resolve their own problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Giving people unwanted advice robs them of their own dignity. That's, that's crazy. A, that really inspires me because that's not my intention. I don't want to rob mm -hmm. people of their own dignity. And, and I think that's, that will continue to inspire me to stay on my side of the street. <laughs> right. Me too. Me too. Um, there's a, a woman, Byron Katie, who is an amazing 
um, individual and has contributed a lot to in the world of self-awareness and self-development and self-healing. And she talks about, she said, there's my business, there's your business, and there's God's business. <laughs> you know, so a lot of times things happen. I'm like, oh, that's so not my business. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yet we want to jump in and, and help. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll I'll say to myself, "Oh, wait a second, Amy. Which category is, does this belong to?" And thirty, you know, sixty six percent of the time, it's not my business, right? <laughs> so the odds are in my favor that I just mm-hmm. you know can just keep on doing my thing and mm-hmm. back off. Wow. I just want to get back to the perfectionism for a second, mm-hmm. Amy. So perfection perfectionism is different than striving for excellence. This mm. comes from the book. Perfectionism implies that you must do and say everything absolutely correctly and is closely related to functioning codependency mm. because it's often stemming from unpredictable, chaotic environments in our childhood. And I feel that you had an analogy, something to do with this. Um, well, it's not so much around perfectionism. It's more just around the reality that most of us are going to grow up in dysfunctional or codependent environments at the very least. Mm. Um, And on the other end of the continuum is trauma. Mm -hmm. And most, most likely, you know, it might be unresolved trauma that's either happened in the person's own life, happened to their family of origin or happened in their history. And it got passed down to them. Uh, So I just thought, you know, like in, in many countries, when a person turns 18, they're expected to serve a few years in the army. For some countries, it's for the men. For some countries, it's men and women. And I was thinking instead, what if everyone was given a few years of therapy to clean up their dysfunction from their childhood? Love it. <laughs> right? Oh, I love it. Mm. I mean, if kids started therapy, if not before, you know, by the age they're 17 or 18, Mm. And the, we develop that mindset of what's healthy and what are boundaries and and learning. Yeah, even a- if we just gave this book and packaged <laughs> it in a way that children could understand, instead of calling it therapy, it would be a huge right. step in the right direction. Okay, so yeah. we should write to Terry, dear Terry. Yeah, one, tr- please <laughs> get this book translated in as many languages as possible as possible, uh-huh. and two. Um, Make sure that all high school um, graduation classes receive a copy. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that just be a dream? Yeah. Yeah. Your childhood experiences may have led you to develop many gifts and talents. So in order to protect those, you need healthy boundaries. And this allows you to make choices that are conscious and how you spend your precious time and energy. Mm. So that's what it feels like. I just feel like we would be doing contributing so much to the growth and healing of our planet if we could help young adults heal them their you know their their future isn't it almost yeah it's an investment in our planet and our you know the the human race as a whole i really mean that it really is and just without going into too much detail we were talking about dysfunction of childhood and then prior to that what did we mention? The chaotic environments of our childhood and codependency. And I said to you, by rereading this book at the weekend, ready for the show today, I got something different from it again. And it was really pointing at my relationship with my child and how, I don't know if it's karmic or it comes from 
past. Hold on. Um, I think for listeners, we have to clarify. She mm-hmm. T didn't say comic. She said karmic. Yeah. No, British accent. Oh, it's a British karmic. accent. It's, it's sound, <laughs> they're, not they're not going to be thinking, it sounds thinking. It doesn't sound very funny to me. Thanks for, thanks for that up. That's just for the the uh, right. American uh, listeners. <laughs> yeah. So this, yeah, the book, it, once again, is like the gift that keeps on giving. And it really highlighted some of the relational aspects that I have with my child being, again, a single mom and fulfilling the role or trying to be dad and mom and everything else far away from my family. And it just brought so much to the surface again. So, you know, talking about how we can teach our children this stuff. I sat down and spoke to my child about it yesterday and it's something that I plan to do throughout this week because it's fresh in my mind. And as soon as I explained to her what I was feeling because I had this realization, she's 12 and she got it. And she just kept coming. Mommy, I love you. Mommy, I love you. It felt like some kind of release had happened. You know, she she got it. And she she, the the behavior that we, we kind of both in a bit of turmoil and we've been going through some stressful times with her schooling as you know yeah and it was almost just like putting my finger on it and saying it's okay we're going to work this out because I feel like yeah. I've got the key yeah. to Terry Cole and boundary boundary box <laughs> so there's just so much in here really I can't express her how grateful wow. I am to you for bringing this to me <laughs> you know T as I was listening to you right now what came to me was I if I wonder if I was your daughter and you were explaining this to me and I knew that we had had, you know, conflict and difficulties. Mm. What I would be hearing is, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. It's not our fault. Mm-hmm. This is bigger than us. Yeah. And we can still still resolve it. Yeah. That was pretty much the last phrase that you said. I actually said that we can still work on this because from the boundary blueprint, it just feels really flippant. You read it and think, oh, boundary blueprint. Yeah. The, the, you know, the past is in our present. Mm-hmm. We need to deal with that. We need, for me, I know I need to deal with that. And, yes. Um, Let's yeah. pick that up. The boundary blueprint that you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. Terry talks about, uh, we may be following ancient blueprints from decades or centuries ago that have been passed down to us through generations. And this is for some, that's what I was referring to as uh, could be generational trauma. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, this is what unconsciously drives our boundaries today, our boundary behavior today, rather. Mm-hmm. Terry asked the question, what do you gain by not setting these boundaries? And sometimes it's avoiding pain or rejection. And that's also known as a secondary gain. Terry also talks about shadow addictions, mm-hmm. behaviors that we use to distract us, such as, ooh, can I relate to some of these? Over-exercising, mm-hmm. being a workaholic, a, con- a, a so- social, consistent social drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, sometimes it, it's shopping. So mm-hmm. it, so it, generically, it's like staying too busy. And that's right. how I keep myself distracted. Yeah, me too. Definitely. This makes me think about chapter 10. And, I, you know, it's also fresh in my mind. I'm glad I can pull out these chapters for you guys. I know. Listening. <laughs> Jeez. This, in chapter 10 is the real world boundaries. And Terry offers scripts for a multitude of situations. So if you're thinking, how can I actually put this into action? She's got it all there for you. Uh, she says you can harness the power of your own truth. I love that. Mm. Be bold enough to own your own truth rather than just going through the mail and just being on that 
do whatever's easy and keeping the peace kind of mindset. She says we should celebrate every boundary voyage and practice self-love. And this is a big one for me because it's something that I'm still working on and uh, loving yourself authentically and setting limits. This really, really does matter. So she provides um, an assessment for self-care and self-love. And it's something I was having a conversation this morning with a friend who's in turmoil at the moment, feeling really going through a divorce and everything feels out of control. And as I was writing some of this stuff down, I sent her a screenshot and said, look, just go through this checklist. And some of the things on the list from Terry you'll find in chapter 11 yeah. are, I've just written down bullet points. So she says, are you doing enough sport? Are you moving your body daily? Is your, are you listening to what your body needs? What are you eating? We may be super busy and grabbing stuff on the go. You know, you really got to look at what you're eating. How's your sleep pattern? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you hydrating throughout the day? That made me go and fill up my water bottle immediately <laughs> because we sometimes it gets put by the side and I might mm. replace the water for a coffee and another coffee and another mm. coffee. Are you having fun? I love that. And it, I sat there and thought, when's the last? So yeah, I had fun this weekend. It was Thanksgiving. I had a great time. Are you looking at your finances? Are you burying your head in the sand? Uh, are you prioritizing your personal comfort in life and how you go about your life? And another one, maybe we need some reminders for, I know I do, is are yeah. you spending time in stillness and silence daily? This is one, it's the last one on my list and it should be really popped back to the top because I love to meditate and I'll find some time at the weekend. Otherwise, the week is like work, 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 children, stuff, just, you know, the, the schedule's full. So how do you do with that one, Amy? Um the very last one, stillness. Mm -hmm. I don't very much. Okay. In the mornings when I wake up, mm -hmm. I do a little self-massage and breathing exercise. Beautiful. And so depending on which breathing exercise, it can take 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I do that on a regular basis, mm -hmm. though it still feels like I'm in action. Okay. Um, though I have to say, I've recently heard something that made me even more motivated to get better at this, that people who meditate regularly, mm -hmm. when their brains have been scanned, the sectors in their brain um, around fear and needing to control are completely diminished. Incredible. Meaning that meditation can help reduce us feeling fearful and it can reduce our need to control things around us. Wow. Yeah. So we really do need to put that to the top of the list. Yeah. yeah agreed. Mm. Yes. Terry says you can and you must when she's talking about the, all of the bonus material that she gives you in this book. Explore what makes you light up inside. Love that. Be fully immersed in what brings you joy. You being more you, finding your soul's purpose living your truth and sprinkle fairy dust on yourself and others. It's your magic. Isn't that gorgeous? Yeah. I love <laughs> that. My, soon, so I love the fairy dust idea. I do too. And my, when I think about it, my fairy dust, I think is my playfulness and even mm -hmm. with strangers. And mm -hmm. like, um, I think I mentioned how a couple of weeks ago I was engaging with this woman at a doctor's office and we're being very playful and joking around. And somehow it came up that we were both looking for partners and we're laughing about that. And then we hit a glitch and I didn't have a document that I needed. 
And she was like, sorry, you can't have this appointment. And I just stayed really chilled out and relaxed. Not, you know, I was already coaching myself. Hey, Amy, too bad for you. You might have to come back. And I just, you know, chilled out. And next thing I knew, she was filling in the document for me. And suddenly it was possible, yeah. you know, and, and part of that, I think her motivation was me bringing, you know, sprinkling my fairy dust because I was just being playful. I didn't know that it would benefit me. Yeah. Mm, wow. <laughs> So we must remember to carry a pocket full of <laughs> dust everywhere we go. Okay. So some common ways dysfunctional boundaries show up in everyday life for us. Uh, let's have a look at this list. Do you go out of your way to rearrange your schedule to please others? Not just anyone deserves this kind of treatment. Ask yourself first, are they worthy of it? So are they worthy of my time? Do you say yes automatically? Do you give or overgive? If this is true, ask yourself, am I giving from a place of love or am I giving from a place of fear or need? Giving is loving. Overgiving is dysfunctional. Yeah. Ugh, I hate reading that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that triggers me. The way to break these patterns is mindfulness plus self-care. So back to that checklist that we just went through. Check in with yourself first before committing to something. This will train you to recalibrate your generosity meter so that giving will both feel good and be genuine. That was mm. my notification. Be a boundary boss in training at all times. Yeah. Um, another boundary violation, responding to yourself or others with hyper positivity. Which I thought was interesting. It's yeah. a form of denial or refusal to face reality. Wow. Instead of trust, instead trust that you can balance positively positivity with authenticity. Mm -hmm. Excuses or outright lies that we tell ourselves about ourselves or others are a way we avoid setting boundaries, which allow us to avoid confronting the situation. You know, so being in denial and about the situation or what's true. And that's for me, why it's so, so important that I have friends, family members around me that they know they can speak their truth to me. Mm. Now, sometimes I have to remind them. Sometimes I have to ask them. And sometimes when they tell me, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the other, the flip side though. Yeah. Th uh, some that helps me to stay in denial less time. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, are you too understanding of someone else's behavior, especially if they're going through a rough time or had a difficult childhood? Maybe I can put that question to you, Amy. Um, yeah. And I've, 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 it's, yeah. <laughs> I think about that and I really think about how if the friendship, if I want it to be um, sustainable, I've got to speak my truth. Mm -hmm. So I do it as gently and kindly as possible. And I still do it. And you do yeah. that very well. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you do. I know. Do you provide excuses for bad behavior to avoid confrontation? Mm, that can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Limiting beliefs prevent us from accurately knowing ourselves, which makes being known by others authentically impossible. Just like going to the gym once, once won't give you the body of your dreams, we need to continue to explore repressed parts of our mind in order to heal. 
wow yeah right so it's continuous it's like having to go to the gym daily we hold limiting beliefs as truth when they remain unexamined yes limiting beliefs can have a profound effect on the quality of our life and the choices we make mm. mm-hmm when in conflict with someone or noticing a repetition of pattern or an unsatisfying situation, first ask yourself, one, does this person or situation remind me or what does it remind me of? No, no, let me say it again. Who does this person or situation remind me of? Mm. Second question, where have I felt like this before? Third question, how is this pattern or behavior familiar to me? So this is, the goal is to raise awareness that situations are get repeated throughout our lives and different situations. So it's not, it might not be anything to do with my coworker Mm -hmm. or my friend. It may be that in fact, this is a situation that has played out from my childhood. So question one, who does the person or situation remind me of Two: where have I felt like this before three, how is this pattern behavior familiar to me? Oh, this is what came up for me at the weekend. And, and hence the, the work that I'll be doing right. child. So creating the new normal, recognize, release, respond, back to the three R's. Recognize when you're having a historical pattern, release the transference and physical symptoms that might be occurring, respond with mindfulness based on what we want to create. So Terry gives us a self-connection exercise. Step one, set your alarm to go off every three or four hours using soothing an alarm, not something crazy that may make you jump as you're working. Step two, when it goes off, what are you doing? And do a body scan, whatever you're doing, stop, do a body scan for 30 to 60 seconds. Step three, when you notice discomfort or pain somewhere, take a slow, deep breath and visualize the discomfort or pain melting away. Step four, ask yourself, what does my body need right now? perhaps a glass of water or some movement or maybe a crazy dance. The more you honor the intuition of your body, the more your intuition will kick in. So again, going back to the body wisdom that Terry coins that phrase, doesn't she? Listen to your body. Fabulous. And I would say, let's make that our call for action to listeners to go Mm. through that process because we are just about out of time. Oh, wow. I know. Flew by. So, Listen, listeners, you're welcome to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes via email or social media. And T and I will take them to talk about on future shows. You can email me at amy at carolcoaching.com. Be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up, and be inspired next week because I'll be taking live calls. Well, no, that's not true. I won't be taking live calls. I will be, do we know what I'm talking about next week, T? can't remember what the topic is. I think it might be Denise or someone. So um, when Mm -hmm. T finds out, uh, also listeners, feel free to check out my website for more information, carolcoaching.com. Connect with me on Amy Carol Coaching. And if you're game for more, I'll be hopping over to Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat on today's show. Right. And as you said correctly, we've got Denise Nicholson next week who's coming on the show. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thanks, T. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Great fun. Thanks, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. 
Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.